it's just been lovely um, to enjoy the sunshine. Um, I went out for a walk yesterday and uh, we did a local walk with my daughter and um, there's a couple of things that really hit me when we were out walking and um, it's just come um, through reading the, the Lent book as well about God's rest and peace and um, yeah there was a, just a couple of things when when I was out walking I saw some sheep and they were obviously they looked like barrels they were ready to lamb but they were all cordoned off and um, they were most of them were lying down um, and I just thought what a, a, a peaceful, restful picture that was, um, seeing those sheep. And then the uh, psalm came to me, Psalm um, 24, the Lord's my shepherd, and I will not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And, um, and again, uh, we were desperate. We said, right, we'll go and have a picnic. And that we were desperate for a bench, but everywhere we went, the, uh, there were no benches. Everyone was sitting on the benches, eating the sandwiches or whatever. And then we found uh, this beautiful bench in the woods. It was empty. And uh, we thought, wow, that's brilliant. And it was obviously in memory of, to someone. And we sat there and there were some tributes to this person on the bench as well, some floral tributes. And then... Um, when we finished, it was, we were so at peace in that place with the sun coming down and everything else. Um, we came out and then we saw a, a weeping tree and it was actually um, a memory wood. And um, my daughter said, oh, we've just sat and had our sandwiches and that's a really sad place. And I said, no, actually, it was a really peaceful place. And then... Um, yeah, in, in, um, and it just hit me how, even though there might be things going on all around us, um, in, in day five in our Lent book, we were reading about um, a lullaby for war. And in Psalm 91, it says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress and my God in whom I will trust. And we can do that this morning. Um, we're all separate, but we can be connected with, through Father God, and we can rest in him. And uh, so just say, I think everybody's in now, just say hello to everybody. And um, uh, there's no, we just said to John, talking to John, there's no baby news yet for Jess and Phil, so we're still waiting. Um, we've got a full morning this morning. Um, John will be coming to speak later, and we've got Becky giving some worship. Um, but I'm just going to pray, and I'm just going to share. I have got a lockdown verse. I found a lockdown verse. It's brilliant. So just going on that resting, we can praise the Lord. This is Psalm 149. We can sing to the Lord a new song. We can sing his praises in the assembly of each other. Let us be glad in our maker. Let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He takes pleasure in each one of us. He adorns us and he adorns, adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exult in glory. And this is the, the lockdown verse. Let them sing for joy from their couches. And let the high praises of God be in their throats. And the two-edged sword in their hands. And I love that last verse. Even though we've got that rest and that peace, the battle is God's. And he's victorious, but he gives us that sword to be joined with him in that battle. And he will show us which battles we do fight, but we know that we've got that victory in him. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Becky. Is that all right, Becky? Yeah. <laughs> pray then. 
Father God, thank you that we can join together this morning. Thank you that we can sing our praises to you. We can exalt you. We can lift you up. And we can give you all the praise and the honour and the glory, knowing that you give us that peace and that rest. And you have the victory. And that, Father, we can be in you and know that we're safe and secure in you. And we can run to you at any point, whatever's going on around us, that we can share that with you and be in it with you. So now we just bring this morning... We just ask you that we can connect to you um, in our worship and, and um, that whatever distractions there are in, in each of the individual homes, that we will be able to connect. Just ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So the words are coming up um, in the chat. Uh, if you want to open that up, the words will be there. Worship His holy name. 
is our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. There is good news for the captive. Good news for the shamed. There is good news for the one who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. He is beauty for the blind man, riches for the poor. He is friendship for the one the world ignores. His pasture for the weary, rest for those who strive. Oh, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. Yes, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound, oh, how grace abounds, we will praise the Lord, our rescuer. So come and be chainless, come and be fearless, come to the foot of Calvary, there is redemption. In every affliction, here at the foot of Calvary. So come and be chainless, come and be fearless, come to the foot of Calvary. There is redemption in every affliction. Here at the foot of Calvary. Come on, church, sing it. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. Fabulous. Thanks, Becky. Appreciate that. Um, great just to declare together, isn't it? Um, just who God is and who he is in and through this season. Uh, just to remind you as well, kids, I'm just going to put a link in the chat to Kids Church. Uh, we're partnering with what uh, Virtual Sunday School are doing, some great videos. Now our kids love doing those on a Sunday, along with some other things as well. So that's in the chat. Uh, please, kids, do enjoy that throughout the day. I think they're doing something on the greatest commandment uh, today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. So uh, enjoy that. Um, I, I just wanted to... Um, uh, bring a couple of things this morning we're going to come and do uh, communion in a moment which sue and colin are going to lead us through and i'll bring a, a brief devotional into that but i just wanted to take a few moments just to update you on some things within the life of occ <clears throat> for some of you i know at this stage it won't be enough uh, you want more information uh, and we will share that as and when we can and i hope what i will come on to explain will 
we'll share why we're sharing what we're sharing now and, and not more than that. We're not keeping anything from you. Um, it just takes time to put plans in place. And I think uh, in this current season, there is constant changing and things are being adapted. Uh, and so I hope uh, what I will bring will say something uh, into an understanding of where we are right now and the direction we're going uh, and where we're heading. So um, I just I hope this helps. Um, but I'm sure like us, you were listening to Boris Johnson's uh, roadmap out of the current restrictions this past week. And uh, as I'm sure you're aware, the plans are seeking to steadily remove all the restrictions that have been upon us as a nation in all aspects of society uh, through a series of stages over the coming months. And I'm sure like us, you, it was welcome news. And uh, I, along that, I also acknowledge that for some, it will bring some apprehension and uncertainty for some that have been isolating for months. Uh, what does this now mean for those that have been over to, unable to see loved ones, uh, for those that are keen to see life return to some level of normality, and for those for whom this season has brought a much needed shift in rhythm and pace. We're all in different places and we're all going to react differently to this next season. And I want to say as an eldership, we're exploring what this season means for OCC. It still feels very much like we're partway through the second half of a rugby match and everybody wants to know the final score, but we simply don't know yet. We simply don't know what might happen and it's really challenging to lead in that situation. If this season has reminded us of anything, it's that we don't have as much control over things as we perhaps thought we did and life very rarely goes from A to B to C to D. That being said, we are making plans and I want to assure you that we are seeking ways for us to gather again together in various sizes within our church like we have done for various purposes to meet as the restrictions allow uh, and as available space becomes present to us. Uh, one of the continued issues we face is restrictions upon buildings and not just for larger gatherings, but we've also seen it in homes and gardens uh, as we seek to reach out to each other and serve our town. Uh, and we've made it clear throughout this season that our own property in, in Shottery is just not suitable for us. We outgrew it as a church prior to COVID. Uh, it holds 10 people within the restrictions. Uh, another rental space in Stratford has just not been available to us during this season uh, within the lockdown. Um, however, as restrictions are being lifted, we do want the church to physically meet together having space where we can seek God and spur one another on and reach uh, and serve our town. But we will do so with everybody's safety as a priority. And we will do so slowly. Now, I know that's going to frustrate some, but we feel this is an opportunity for us to take steps slowly. Because we've been presented with an opportunity to explore who we are and what we do. What we've had during this season is ways of creatively exploring continuing discipleship. And even though we can't gather in large meetings, we've learned a lot of lessons during this season about how we make disciples, how we continue to be the people of God when this restriction is placed upon us. And we've learned some lessons that cannot and will not be wasted as we step into what I believe God has for us. Church, I just want to make something really clear. We're not going to rush back to how things were just because certain restrictions say we can. The restrictions that have been placed upon us and the church and individuals have been significant during this time, not just because of their impact upon our perceived freedoms, but because I believe through them, the spirit of God has been speaking into his church. As an eldership, we're convinced that God is speaking to us, OCC, during this season. And I want to ask you that you give us time to listen and discern what the spirit is saying. We often want to do it in our time, in our pace, and we race ahead. But we can, I'm personally convinced, and the eldership stand with me on this, that we need to wait on God and we need to see where he is moving and respond to his moving rather than asking him to respond to our moving. We need to continue to seek to go where God is leading and be a people that he is calling us to be. I was praying this morning. Uh, I went for a run this morning and it's often my my own time just to be with God and myself as I run. And I was reminded again of Acts 1 where Jesus is about to return to the Father. Uh, we've seen his death, burial, resurrection, and then the coming ascension. And he promises the disciples that the Holy Spirit will come. And he says in verse 4, he says, while he was with them, Jesus commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. There's another but right there. But wait. We've been in a waiting season. And as frustrating as it is, I believe we're still in that season. We're still in that time where God is preparing his church. I just felt this morning that for some of us, this season has been one where it's been really, really challenging. 
and uh, maybe the first lockdown was worse than the second or the third. Maybe it's different feelings and all of that. Uh, but, but God is teaching something to us. And I felt this morning that perhaps we need to shift our position and perhaps some of us and, and myself included, I've had to come back to a place of repentance where I've, been, I've realized that I was, I was despising this season. And I was thinking, God, why is there so much restriction? Why are we so hemmed in? What, God, will you do something, please? And I allowed the voice of the world to become our dominant narrative, loss, death, hopelessness. We bunker down until God releases us to do what we're called to do again. But I've been reminded of Noah in the flood. Noah walked into the ark, but it says the Lord shut the door. We've walked into this season, but I think God is doing something in and through this season as our doors have been shut. What has been the fear for so many that our doors would be shut and people can't get in and we can't allow God to be seen through all of this. Yet God is doing something incredible. God's not been knocked off his throne during this season. And I just think for some, perhaps this morning, there's just a word over you that you just need to, to come back to that place of, of repentance where we've despised this season instead of seeing that God is doing something in and through it, that he is preparing us and he's pruning some of our preferences. Oh, no, not another Zoom call. None of us love Zoom calls. They, are, they, they sap energy from us. But actually, when we step into it with the eyes of faith and we say, God, this is another opportunity for us to connect with you and each other. I think God has been doing some pruning in and through that. And this season of hard pruning in the church, I think, is because there is a season of growth that will come. But we need to be positioned for the promise right now in order for God to lead us to that place he's calling us to be. I'm reminded of Joshua, who prepares the people of God to cross over into the promised land. And as he does, he's, uh, he, he's reminded of Moses, his mentor, his predecessor, that much loved respect, uh, respected leader during that season. And it, he said that that leader is dead. It's now your time, Joshua. And at the end of Deuteronomy 34, verse six, we're told that Moses was buried in a valley. And it says no one to this day knows where his grave is. Church, I think this is a word for our church. As we seek God and step into this new season as a church, there are some things from the previous season that are gone that we cannot and must not revisit them. Just like Moses, he was gone. No one knows where he is buried. So no one's tempted to go back to that place and remain in that place of history. Instead, the call is to move towards the promised destiny. It's about transition. It's about change. It doesn't mean that we're just going to seek to change just for the sake of changing. Some things will change, but we're not just going to pursue change. We're not seeking to be relevant. Instead, we're seeking to be radical, to go back to the root, to go back to the source, the foundation of who we are and who we're called to be and what God is calling us for this season. The models we've used in this new season will help facilitate that which we're called to be. And we'll pick up some models and things that we've used and methods from other seasons to be all that God is calling us to be for this new season. I want to say this is who OCC is. It's who, they've all, who, who we've always been. Uh, at the heart of this church five years ago when we came to lead this church, nine of us stepped out together into something new, something challenging, something that seemed way beyond any of us. And for those that have enjoyed OCC in more recent years, it was only possible because of the courage and strength and trust of those that were willing to step out into a land that we couldn't yet understand. But instead of then, it's now. And it's us. So just like Joshua, God is calling us in this season to be strong and courageous because God will give us a promised inheritance. In this moment, we've got a privilege of a season, a season that is affording us an opportunity to seek God, to seek God about who we're called to be, who he is and who he would have us be. I would ask that we take this time and, and prioritise seeking him, prioritise prayer, Ask God for yourself, for your families, who are you calling us to be in this season? Very rarely do we get almost like a reset button where we get to decide the big things that we're going to get put back into our diary and into our life. Let's be a people of the word. Let's be a people of the spirit ready to respond when God says go. I've just been so encouraged by our church during this season, the generosity of heart that I see. You've responded with such grace to so much change and challenge. It's been really encouraging. I've not experienced a grumbling voice. The generosity of your hands in giving to so many in need. It's a marker of our church. And I think a people with that posture can step into all the things that God has for them. In the coming weeks, we are going to share some practical plans that we have in the initial steps out of this lockdown as we partner together as a church to see his kingdom come and his will be done 
It will not all be at once and it will not be exactly how it used to be. It will be slow steps as we seek God and we take a step and we go, maybe it's this way, God, maybe it's that way, God. We're going to step into all that you have for us and who you're calling us to be for the sake of his glory for each other and for the lost. I'm excited by all that God is doing in our church. God is speaking, even though we've been scattered as people contact me with what God is speaking into their life, that the synergy and what God is speaking into our church as we gather and pray the words and pictures that people are giving, there's a synergy in what God is saying. And we need to step into all of that. I'm excited by what God is doing in our connect groups. The growth that we've seen in people through this has been incredible as we've just, uh, and it'll be, it'll be so important as we step into this next season. So many will know that we're involved in the Fred Winter project uh, in our town. Uh, it's a housing plus centre. Uh, and we as a church, maybe 12 or even 18 months ago, started to step into the idea that we could run the community cafe space in the hub uh, in, within the centre of our town. Uh, and uh, it's been a long time getting to where we are. I want to ask you to pray. We're in a crucial stage. Uh, we might have to pray in a few minutes over that, but um, we're in a crucial stage as we're coming now to the kind of negotiating and the final plans of what our involvement will look like and whether this is directly running the cafe or in other ways being involved, reaching people in our community will be a priority in this season. And as soon as we can share more, we certainly will. Uh, and, and I'm just so excited. And, and I want to ask you just to pray because I've had a picture during this last uh, week as I've been praying. And the image that I had about a week ago was of a bottle of Coke that had been shaken. And you know what it's like when you shake a bottle of Coke. The minute you open that lid, it explodes, doesn't it? It goes absolutely everywhere. And I just got excited about the idea that this lid is going to be removed. And it's almost like we're in this shaking season and the, the bottle has been shaken and the lid is going to be removed and the, the impact will be immense. And then I was praying again. And as I was running this morning, I just got two images. And the first image I saw was that we as OCC were undoing the lid. And it was fantastic. We were having a great time in the presence of God. The contents of that was just spilling over and we were just encountering God in ways that we haven't seen before. And it was so exciting, but I felt an emptiness. And as, as I'm, I'm there, I'm running, I'm going, God, why, why do I feel empty in that? And the second image that I got was that God started to undo the lid. And that actually when God started to undo the lid in his timing, the impact was immense. The contents were spread, but not only over us, but over those that we never thought and never could experience the grace and mercy and compassion of God. It went over the lost. It went over the nations. It went further than we ever thought possible. Church, I think this is a picture of the kingdom of God. And as we stand here right now, we have no idea as to what this new promise of God's kingdom on earth could look like, because it's nothing like we've ever experienced before. I want to say none of us are experts in that which God has got for us. Whatever experiences we've had in the past, however glory filled and anointed they were, they do not compare to the promises that God has for the future. We're not called to be experts in this. We are called to explore in this. And I want to encourage us all to start stepping in to that which God has for us. There's a moment in Joshua. And he, uh, he says to uh, the, the people, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among us. But today we consecrate ourselves. That's the call for our church. I am firmly holding on to the belief and the, the knowledge and the truth that God will do wonders among us tomorrow. But right now, the call is for us to consecrate ourselves. I think there are places and spaces that we never thought God could turn up in power. And he's saying, if you consecrate yourselves right now in this season, then wait for what I've got for you. This season is so significant. And the, the words I'm getting from as, as I'm just studying all of this and praying it, all of this is God is calling us to be repositioned for the promise. And it's some stuff that we'll probably unpack uh, in the coming weeks and months. God will do what God is going to do, but we must do what he's calling us to do. It's an exciting season and one that I'm praying for each of you. And I would ask that you pray for me, pray for the eldership, pray for the core team. So right now, what I was wanting to invite you to do is um, 
just go into some breakout rooms, just a, two or three breakout rooms where we can just pray together. Now, you may be uh, wanting to stay muted. That's absolutely fine. There's no pressure to be putting your screen on and praying. Uh, if there's people in that room and you just sit in silence for the next five minutes while we pray together, that's absolutely fine. But if you want to share some stuff that you just sense maybe God is sharing, if you just want to get praying about maybe something I've just shared right now is stirred with you and you just think, let's just pray into that, then I want to encourage you to pray um, because as these restrictions are eased, the things that God has been doing in us for this past 12 months are significant for what we're going to step into for the various gatherings and how we reach this community and the nations to see God's kingdom cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So I'm going to uh, attempt to try and put you into some breakout rooms. We'll see what happens. We always tend to lose a few. Um, so hopefully you'll all come back uh, and won't disappear. Uh, but let me just see if we can figure this out. Um, so there'll be maybe eight, nine people in a room. So if you've got your camera off, don't feel pressure. You're not going to be in there on your own, hopefully, with others that have got their camera off. But uh, unmute yourselves. And I'm going to just say uh, until about 10 past, so we've got about seven, eight minutes just to pray. And then we'll gather back together and we're going to take communion. Welcome back. Hopefully everyone is back in. Right, we're going to come and take communion now. So hopefully you've got something to take communion um, and just some juice and some bread or uh, anything that you can. Maybe go and run and grab that right now um, if you haven't. Um, but just I love these moments where we're able just to come together. Uh, and take communion. So I just wanted to, st to bring our thoughts and our focus together around communion right now. Uh, if you've got a Bible, just turn to Mark uh, chapter 14. Uh, I'm just going to read something from there uh, just for the next few minutes and then Sue and Colin will lead us into communion. Um, in case you've missed it, we're in a season of Lent, uh, 40 days, or 46 days actually, where we prepare for Easter and all that that means. Um, as a church, we probably haven't really, I mean, I grew up in the Anglican church, so Lent was the big issue for us every year. Uh, but Pentecostals seem to kind of drift by and we don't really notice it. But this year we just felt it was a significant season for us um, because globally the church used this season as a time of uh, going deeper into God. Of we, of we, uh, we come and we, we refocus and people fast and abstain and there's repentance and confession and it just feels like a significant time this year in Lent um, and it's a time for us to come back to the cross and all that uh, the cross means for the power of God and to salvation and where we surrender our lives and uh, it's the story we find ourselves in in Mark 14 and Jesus knows that the hour is close when he will be handed over to the ruling authorities and he will give up his life um, and uh, we've seen the costly devotion of this woman who breaks a jar of perfume over him. And John's Gospel tells us that's Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. And uh, we see them, the disciples and Jesus move to the upper room and they have the Passover meal. They take the first communion together. And uh, Jesus all along is explaining what's going to happen to him. And then we get to this garden called Gethsemane. Judas has already gone to tell the chief priests and the elders where they can find Jesus. He'll betray them and he will be arrested. Um, and it's in this garden that we see some of the most moving moments. It's actually this passage of scripture uh, in, in the Gospels that I've been in for the last 12 months. I've never spent so long in one portion of scripture, but I keep coming back to this Gethsemane experience that Jesus has. Um, and uh, we need to remember that Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. And so we see that he's not immune to the human experience. But here we see it in its raw reality, where we see that Jesus is fearful. Jesus is isolated. We see so much emotion. And actually, as we read it, if we, if we allow ourselves to see it in that reality, then it can be quite jarring because Jesus is the one who's meant to have all the answers. But here we see he has doubts and questions. And let me read it to you. Mark 14, starting in verse 32, it says, Then they came to the place Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John with him and he began to be deeply distra distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little further, fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, why are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came back and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. 
Then he came a third time and said, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the time has come. See, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. See, my betrayer is near. So what we see is Jesus in this garden takes his 12 and takes three even closer uh, in those moments of desperation. We need people around us, don't we? We need those people that will journey with us. Uh, and yet here we see three times Jesus prays. The other gospels make it clearer that it's three times Jesus is praying and three times he seeks the comfort of his disciples and yet he finds them sleeping. I wonder if during this season or any other season in your life, you've ever felt completely let down by those closest to you. Friends who said they would always be there for you a church, maybe a church leader, maybe me. Jesus experienced that sense of being let down, of isolation in his darkest hour. And in that place, we hear a prayer that Jesus prays, a prayer that I've been praying during this season, a prayer that I think can help us in this season right now as we step into the promises that God has for us. In the seasons of loss, confusion, pain, in the season of God, what are you doing? In the season where we're asking him to step in and he prays, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In the garden of doubt, in that place of fear, in that season of isolation and abandonment, <clears throat> we see the first place that Jesus goes to is to the Father. And he says, Abba, father it's the most common term we see that jesus uses for the father <clears throat> it's this most intimate of terms it speaks of, of of a relationship it speaks of connection it speaks of intimacy because it can be so easy in the hardest seasons through this lockdown of covid and in seasons of isolation in your life to perceive that god is some absent and distant force rather than a close intimate being Jesus knows because Jesus is. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. And Jesus shows us that the Father is always present. That God is a being. He's relational. He desires intimacy with his people. Even when God seems far away, when it seems too little, too late. When we're reminded of Mary and Martha as they stand at the tomb of their dead brother, Jesus turns up late, apparently. But he's there with them in the desperation and he weeps and he shows his power over death as he commands Lazarus out of the grave. Jesus can pray, Abba, Father. There's an intimacy in that moment. I want to encourage you to pursue that intimacy when every temptation within us is to say God has deserted us. We come back to the reality that God is who he says he is and he is Abba and he is Father. I want to suggest that for Jesus, it's, it's years of cultivating that relationship in that place of prayer that means in that moment of crisis, he knows who God is. I wonder if in this season we're seeing more about what we've put our trust in that can fail us rather than the God who has failed us. But God has said he is present, a present help in times of trouble. He is always there with us. He's present with you right now. Abba, Father. It's about relationship and intimacy. Jesus then goes on and he says, all things are possible for you. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. See how we see the intimacy and the immensity of God. We see the closeness and the capacity of God. All things are possible for you. We believe that church. We've been praying as a connect group and I don't often, well, I won't often use stories from our connect group because I want people to know that's a safe place where we can share and it's not serving my sermon prep. But I, I asked someone in our group if we could share this story because we've been praying for one of the colleagues of a member of our connect group and he was diagnosed with an aggressive form of prostate cancer. Some of you heard this story in other meetings that we've had and the person shared this story and all signs pointed that there would not be long left for this person. And so we as a connect group started to pray. Uh, and this man knew we were praying. The person in our group shared with them that we would be praying between scans. He'd had a scan that said he had it. And then uh, we were praying uh, and they were waiting for that next scan to confirm where it spread in the body. And we were saying we were going to pray that there would be no cancer that would be completely gone and he would get the all clear. Well, the time for the scan comes and he has the scan. The results come and it says that the cancer has gone, that he's got the all clear. All things are possible for God. There is no way outside of God from terminal cancer to all clear between scans that that is remotely even possible. God is a God of the impossible. All things are possible for God. Jesus prays it. We pray it. We believe it because it's true. But Jesus's prayer goes on. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. 
Jesus is praying a prayer of escape, isn't he? God, get me out of here. Take this away. You can do it. All things are possible for you. So prove it and do this. Take this cancer. Take this heartache. Take this breakup. Take this breakdown. God, will you step in and break in now? God, show all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Three times Jesus prays it. The honest heart cry of someone who is desperate for God to step in. And so oftentimes God does in ways like I've just shared as we prayed as a connect group through healing and salvation and provision and peace. We prayed as a group, God, all things are possible for you to take this cup. And God did it. And it was amazing. But for every story we tell of a cup being taken, we all know countless more where it hasn't been. And we see in this garden. And for many during this season, three times Jesus prays, take this cup away. And if you turn over a page in your Bible, a little spoiler alert, the cup isn't taken away. Jesus suffers and Jesus dies. The cup of suffering was not taken, instead it was endured. See, when we pray the prayer, all things are possible for you, God step in, take this cup away. We also need to give room for God to be God and for God to say no. Our Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. John Stott, uh, legend of the church and of the world, uh, one of the top 100 leaders, I think, in Time magazine a number of years ago, uh, said this. Prayer is not a convenient device for imposing our will upon God or bending his will to ours, but the prescribed way of subordinating our will to his. So often our prayer posture can be, God, if you love me, my will be done. Jesus's prayer posture is, Father, I know you love me. Your will be done. Because I know you love me. I know you seek my best. I want your will for me. And whatever comes across my path, I surrender is your will and what you're working in and through me. And then we surrender in obedience to his will. His will. You see, the term Abba doesn't simply mean intimacy with the father. It also means obedience from the child. Abba is a term of endearment, intimacy and co close relationship on one hand. But it's also the obedience to the authority of the father on the other hand by the child. Jesus could only end this prayer in a moment of desperation with the willingness to let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven because he knew the Abba to whom he prayed. The intimate love of the Father that he himself was and displayed. The obedience of the child to surrender to his will. In this season, it's a season where we are praying for the power of God to be displayed. All things are possible for you, but it's still also a season of the surrendering of the child that is the church of God to his will and his way. It means we've got to let God be God. His power to do what only he can do, but our obedience to what we must do. Consecrate yourselves today for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. As I read from Joshua earlier on, I sense something within this season to declare and believe and hold on to the power of God. We need to get a fresh revelation of who God is and that he is all powerful and all things are possible for him. But coupled with that is a renewed surrender to live for him, to allow God to be God, to declare your will be done, not my wants, your will. And so as we take communion this morning, I want to invite you into that posture as a church, the, the power of his salvation that reaches out to the whosoever, those that we never thought could possibly ever come near are now invited near because of the power of who God is. We see healing. If you need healing this morning, as you come to that table of communion in your house, then you can declare that by his wounds you are healed. There is power in the name of Jesus. But then there is also a surrendering to his will to say, God, in this moment right now, as I'm reminded who you are, I'm reminded my role within that to surrender in obedience to who you are as we take that bread and we drink that cup. So uh, Sue and Colin, can I invite you just to unmute and then lead us to that place of communion? Okay, before we take communion together, I'd like us to take a quiet moment individually so that we will receive and take communion in a way that will glorify Jesus. Cause us to reflect on and confess sins, repent of thoughts and actions, that do not honour God, and to seek ways to serve each other, to stand up for the things of God's hearts, heart, heart, and commit ourselves to his plan. 
The very act of communion commemorates Jesus' death for our sins. Let us now believe and receive in his work that he did for us to be free, for we now no longer have to sin. Dear Father God in heaven, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Please show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. You tell us that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covered us for all time and the correct desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. We cannot begin to grasp the agonizing suffering of your crucifixion, yet you took that pain for us. You died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your extravagant love and undeserved favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now, and eternal life forever. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we now receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, as we take this cup representing your blood poured out whilst you hung on the cross, we realise that you were the same supreme sacrifice for all our sin, past, present and future. Because of your blood shed for us and your body broken for us, we can be free from the power and penalty of sin. Thank you for your victory over death. You took the death that we deserved. You took our punishment and today we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood that you spilled. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We now receive this wine or this juice in remembrance of you. Father, we thank you that you did everything that was needed to bring us back to you. Amen. And now we hand over to Becky um, for a song. I just want to thank you guys for that and uh, what a great time we've spent together today. And I just want to sing this song joyously. If you fancy dancing, you can. <laughs> um, and we just rejoice in what God has done for us and give thanks to him forever. 
Thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, with mighty hand and outstretched arm, His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, forever. For the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever. By the grace of God we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. One more time. It's been lovely. Don't click off yet because we're going to have a few minutes where we can all catch up and just say hello to each other. So you can all unmute and you can all. Uh, 